Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I want to go to Matthew chapter number 16 this morning. We've got two scripture texts this morning. Matthew 16 and verse number 18 in your hearing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And everybody said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Revelations chapter 1 and verse number 18. Revelations chapter 1, verse number 18. Jesus speaking, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Heavenly Father, thanking you this morning for your presence is in this place. Oh, God, for the work that you're going to do and have already done, Lord. Asking you, Lord, to bring our minds together. Let our mind be set upon you and upon your word this morning. Lord, anoint these lips of clay because I realize I stand in need, Lord Jesus, this morning that I'm only a voice. God's speaking to your people this morning and it's an urgent time, Lord. Let my, Lord, voice this morning speak, Lord, loudly, God, to a people, Lord, this morning that needs to hear thy word, oh God. Anoint Jesus, we pray in your holy name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. This morning I want to preach on this subject. An earthquake in hell. An earthquake in hell. And I very seldom use a subtitle, but I want to use a subtitle this morning. Worship is important. Worship is important. I know that our pastor has, you know, taught on worship and praise. And I know that it seems like the last few messages that I have preached have somehow touched upon worship and praise. And you'll just have to forgive me because I can't leave it alone. And uh, it, it, it uh, has been dealing with me since last time I preached. And I've had all these little disjointed notes sitting here and there and midnight hours and the morning hours when I've got up and I've written down little notations and, and uh, somehow just felt like that God wanted me to speak, amen, this morning again. Also been reading, had read a book. It was a fictional book, but it began to stir my mind about hell. You know, we, we don't hear hell preached about much anymore. Nobody wants to hear about hell. Just give us the good things. Tell us about heaven and, 
how good we are and we're all going to make it and all of that. Now, I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that we're all going to make it. But the Bible said that there's going to be few there be that find it. And wide is going to be the gate that leads to hell. And there's many that's going to find that. All you've got to do is get in the crowd and you can go to hell. That's right. You, you, it, it's easy to go there. But you've got to make a way and you've got to look and find the way to heaven. And as I began, God began to deal with me and I began to think and I thought, you know, in the first part of the service, we were praising God. We were praising God in the song and we're praising God in the music and with our voices, we was praising the Lord. But now we have come to the time that we have come to the word of God and we've got to go beyond the praise now and it's time to worship. Well, Bishop, you're a little laid up with yourself, aren't you? No, no, I'm not, because it's not me that you're hearing, but it's the Word of God that becomes real, amen, to you. Amen. If we could look past the person that is standing behind this pulpit, and we could see through to the Word of God that they are ministering, uh, what they are ministering is His worthiness because the Word of God is worthy to be worshipped. It needs to, there needs to be a voice, amen, coming back from the minister as he ministers not himself but of the word of God because it's not about me this morning. It's not about me standing before you but it's about the God that I'm preaching about. Amen. That we are worshiping. It's not the person but it's the God that we're preaching about this morning. Amen. And the Lord began to stir my soul and my thinking as I began to study on these two verses, and I've looked at them many times, but God has just kind of spoke to me in a different way. And if you will this morning, how many will help me preach a little while? Just help me preach. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, this morning, I, I want to ask a question right off the bat. How many of you would like to cause an earthquake in hell? Anybody would like to cause an earthquake in hell? You can, you can cause an earthquake in hell. I say you can cause an earthquake in hell. Hallelujah. I'm glad that there is a stir in my soul this morning because if I can be stirred about hell, then I can be stirred about heaven. Hallelujah. Because it lets me know this morning that there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to that terrible place where the worm dieth not, the Bible said, and the quiet fire is not quenched. Hallelujah. I think this morning, if you will stay with me, amen, that all of us can be encouraged and, and have a greater desire to worship and praise the Lord more fervently than we ever have before because there is a message that can speak to us, amen, about hell this morning that will encourage the saints and the church this morning. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lip giving thanks to his name. Let me tell you, that verse is going beyond praise because it says 
the sacrifice of praise. Anytime there is a sacrifice, it goes beyond praise and it becomes worship. Hallelujah. So this morning, uh, I want us to give the sacrifice of praise to God during this message. Hallelujah. I want us to worship the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The word church there in our scripture means the called out. I believe we're the called out this morning. We are the church. The church is not the building, but it is the temple. We are the temple of the living God this morning. We are the church. We are built upon a chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The church is the only visible likeness of Jesus that the world can see. That's why it is so important for the church to portray Christ in all we do, in all we say, in how we look, in how we act, and where we go, how we talk, because we are the visible Jesus that's walking in this earth up and down, to and fro, if you please. We are that identification. Hallelujah. We are the church of the living God. Let's take a look at some things that happened, amen, just prior to Jesus' death, amen, and at his death. And you can read these things. I'm not going there, but just as a reference point so you know that Bishop is still in the Word of God. Matthew 27, verse 45 through 53, you'll find those things there. It's not up there. I'm not going there. It's only a reference for you. But in just before he died, there was three hours of darkness that fell upon the face of the earth. Amen. And as he was dying, when he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. Hallelujah. Notice it wasn't from bottom to top, but top to bottom. Amen. And there was an earthquake, the Bible said, and the rocks rent. Praise God. The Bible said that graves were opened and many of the saints arose from the graves and they made themselves known. They walked among people and spoke to people. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this morning as I began to study and, and to check out scripture and check out history and, and just feeling what I felt. I believe this morning that the starting of earthquakes in hell was at this point. I believe it was the point that just before Jesus died and in his death was the greatest earthquake that hell ever, ever witnessed in the lifetime of hell, which is eternity. Amen. And Satan knew right then that easy street in hell had just ended and there was going to be a battle that would he could not win, but he was going to lose without a shadow of a doubt. I began to think about Jesus uh, 
as he rose from the grave. And I've, I've preached about it a few times and I'll probably preach about it again later because I think there's some more that goes with it. But I began to think about Jesus. Uh, Brother Cox, as he was raised uh, from the dead, that he was still in the grave. Uh, amen. He was getting rid of the grave clothes and he wasn't, I don't believe that he was in a hurry because he wanted to show Satan that I don't have to be in a hurry to leave here. I've got the keys to this place. Oh, I've already overcome the grave. I've done, the grave could not hold me. And he got up and I believe he was whistling a little lullaby. I believe he was whistling a little tune as he was walking around in there saying, Satan, you know that I've got victory over you. I don't have to rush out of this place. I don't have to be afraid of it. Hallelujah, because the truth is, I don't have to be here. I'm only here because of some people that's lost, and I've come to prove to you that I've got authority and power over you, and I'm going to pass this same power down to my church, and they're going to have power and authority over you. The Bible said that he folded the napkin together. It was wrapped around his head. He folded it together and he laid it aside. I don't believe that he was a sloppy Jesus like some of, uh, of the men, you know, and, may, and some of the ladies too, maybe as far as that goes, that pulls off their clothes and just uh, throws them in the floor and, and uh, we'll wade through them for a pick few days or wait for somebody to pick them up for us. Amen. Come on. I don't believe he was that kind of a guy. I believe that Jesus uh, was a neat freak, if you please. Hallelujah. He folded it together and he put it over there. And, and the, the grave clothes was laying there. Don't say much about them. But I got the feeling that he even folded them together. I believe he even kind of neatly put them together and laid them over there just to let people know when they come and take a look that, hey, it don't look like the master was in any hurry to get out of here. Well, I'm going to tell you, he didn't have to be in a hurry. And church, we do not have to be in a hurry when we're in the midst of Satan. We've got power. We've got authority over the powers of hell. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I believe that there was not only an earthquake when Jesus, right before he died, when he was on the cross, but when he, when he arose, amen, when he arose and began to, to put away all the grave clothes, amen, I believe that there was a quivering in hell then too. Hallelujah. I want to read some scripture this morning in Ephesians 4, 8, 9, just to back up where I'm going. Amen. Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Hallelujah. I believe this was the second big earthquake in hell. Hallelujah. If you can imagine with me this morning what happened in hell when Jesus walked through the gates of hell. Hallelujah. And I've got to have me a Satan this morning. So I'm that brother Pat. You're not Satan for sure. But that's all right. You can just you can stay seated. It's all right. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Can you imagine what would happen? Hallelujah. When Jesus began to storm the gates of hell. Mm, glory. He began to storm the gates of hell and he walked through uh, those gates. Hallelujah. He didn't have, need a key. Come on. He could walk through the gate. Hallelujah. Without it ever being locked. I'm talking about Jesus. And he walked through those gates of hell and he walked straight to Satan. And I, this is just me this morning, if you can imagine with me a little while, I believe Satan was sitting there. I believe he knew that somebody had come through the gates. I believe he felt his presence. Oh, and he already was trembling, and hell was shaking. Come on, church. When Jesus is around, hell begins to shake. When the church gets into the presence of the Lord, hell begins to shake. Ah, there begins to be an earthquake. And why in the world are we afraid to worship and praise him? I'm going to tell you, every time we do, hell shakes. The Bible trembles, or, or Satan trembles at the name of Jesus. He walked right towards Satan. And Satan was proudly, had, had his uh, keys hanging around his neck. The one of death and the one of hell. He, he was, they were big keys. He was proud of them. Amen. Up till now, nobody had bothered with him. In fact, there were some people down there evidently that didn't belong there. Come on now. Hallelujah. Because the Bible speaks of him going and preaching to those in hell. Come on. The prisoners in hell. Come on. Hallelujah. And I believe he marched up to Satan. And I can almost see Satan. Satan was not going to put up a fight because he knew that he was at a loss already. And he comes right up to him. And there is no fight. He pulls them things off. And he takes him away from Satan. I want to tell you, that day there was something that happened in hell. Hell, amen, devil lost the keys to his house. He no longer has the keys, but Jesus is carrying the keys proudly around his neck. And he said, I've now got the keys of death and hell. You don't have to be afraid of death no more because death, come on. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victor? I've got the keys to both. You don't have to worry about it. Jesus has got the keys this morning. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus demanded the keys to death and hell. And the truth is, I don't believe Jesus pulled them off of him. I believe Satan was already in the process of, just don't touch them. <laughs> you can have them. They're all yours. I'll, I'll pitch them to you. Just don't come any closer. Come on now. Come on. He's afraid of Jesus, and he's afraid of his church. You know why? Because the, per, the church carries the same power that Jesus did. He has passed it down, Brother Terry, to the church. And we do not have to be afraid of Satan's tactics anymore. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Let me begin with a note in history of the next thing that I want to talk about. Because Jesus descended first before he ascended. 
and got the keys. Let me tell you, history points out that there was a Roman military march, and a Roman military march was this, and Scripture reveals that these Scriptures that have been put together are all speaking toward this. A Roman military march, triumphal procession was on the grandest spectaculars of ancient times. It was granted to a conqueror only when certain conditions had been fully compiled with. Among these, it was required that the victory be complete and decisive. That it should be over a foreign foe. That at least 5,000 of the enemy should be slain in a single battle. That the conquest should extend the territory of the state and put an end to the war. <laughs> when the Senate decided that all the required conditions had been met, a day was appointed and every necessary arrangement was made for a splendid pageant. When the day arrived, the people crowded the streets and filled every place from which a good view of the procession could be obtained. The temples were all opened and were decorated with flowers and the incense smoke from every altar. Fragrant odors from burning spices were profusely scattered through the temples and along the streets, loading the air with their perfume. Glory. In the procession were the Senate, the chief citizens of the state, who thus by their presence honored the conqueror. Oh, oh glory. The richest spoils of war were carried in open view. The prisoners of war were also compelled to march in the procession. The general in whose honor the triumph was degreed rode in a chariot which was a particular form and drawn by four horses. His robe was embroidered with gold and his tunic was with flowers. And they went through the streets to the temple where sacrifices were made at a feast which followed. Hallelujah. Jesus begins to loosen some people, I believe, in hell who did not belong there in the first place. And he took Satan and his brigade, chaining them to the back of his chariot. Glory. And he ascends now up into heaven. And if I can see it, Amen. He is marching down Glory Avenue in his chariot. And chained to the back of it is Satan in his army. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus has the keys to death and hell. Come on. Hallelujah. And he's marching down Glory Avenue. And he is wearing them just as proudly and more proud than Satan could ever wear them because they didn't belong to him to begin with. Hallelujah. And he's marching down Glory Avenue. And I believe that all of heaven is there to watch the procession. And I believe that there is people that are standing on both sides of Glory Avenue. In fact, I don't believe anybody in heaven is sitting. 
But I believe they are all standing with hands raised and their voices raised together with their hands. And they're worshiping the Lord God Almighty that has the power over Satan. Come on. Over death and over hell. And no weapon is formed against him will prosper. The gates of hell shall no more prevail against the church. It had had the victory up to this point, church. But at this point, there's no more victory for hell. Mm, glory. I said there is no more victory for hell. Because I'm going to tell you that Jesus, when he was on the cross, paid the price for every one of us that we no longer, hallelujah, have to deal with sin. He dealt with sin for us on the cross. And he took the blame for us. It should have been us, but it was him that hung there and took the blame for us. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. An earthquake in hell. An earthquake in hell. Can you imagine what kind of earthquake it must have been when he was marching down Glory Avenue in heaven? It trembled all the way to hell, and I really believe that's what enlarged hell. Hell enlarged itself. I'm going to tell you, there was a crack plumbed down the middle of that thing and it split hell wide open. And I'm going to tell you, all of those that aren't serving God, one of these days are going to do the same thing. They're going to split hell wide open. But let me tell you, as long as the church is praising and worshiping God, there is always an earthquake that's taking place in hell. And we need not to hold back our worship during the message during the singing, we ought to worship with our voices, raising our hands in victory because we are victorious through him that loved us. Earthquake in hell. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I want to cause an earthquake in hell. I know we said that, but we didn't say it like we meant it. You know what? If we really said it like we meant it, I'm going to cause an earthquake in hell. And this morning we can have an earthquake in hell because the church at First Apostolic Church at 1121 Cedar is praising and worshiping God and we can have an earthquake in hell going on while we're worshiping in His presence. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I said that to lead you to Colossians 2.15. Because it says that the commentaries all say that what I've just spoken to about is what it's relevant to. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly triumphing over them. He didn't keep this thing in hell. But he ascended unto heaven. So all the angels and all of those that were backing him already knew that he was indeed Christ the King of glory. <laughs> and when we read that in scripture, church, it ought to do something in us. It says, I don't want to sit on my seat anymore. Come on. Hallelujah. When I get in your presence, Lord... I want to shout. 
I want to run the aisles. Come on. I want to move in your presence because every time I do, it's going to cause an earthquake in hell. Hell becomes uneasy. Oh, I don't know about you, but we're living in a day when the church is backed off and there's not near as many earthquakes in hell, yet there should be. Come on, there ought to be a, uh, there ought to be somebody across this great nation that's praising and worshiping God every hour of the day where heaven where is, is, is in a worship attitude and hell is in de- devastation because there is an earthquake going on. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 14, 16. They that see thee, it's talking about Satan. I want you to imagine, imagine this is, I, I think this is what he was teaching to heaven as he strolled down Glory Avenue. But I also believe that he put this scripture in there to encourage us as the church. Glory. That they should see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. And consider thee saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? Is this the man that did make the earth? Is this the man that shocked the kingdoms of this world? And now look at him. Look at him. Why have you been afraid of this guy so long? Why have you been one of those that have taken to his tactics, his trickery? Because he don't have truth. All he can do is lie to you. He takes truth and he turns it around. And, and, and he makes it say what he wants it to say. But the word don't change. Hallelujah. And why should we be afraid of Satan who cannot do? He cannot take your life. He cannot take my life. Come on. He cannot even put sickness on me without the okay of the Savior. Come on. He had to, the devil had to ask the Lord if he could touch Job. He could not touch him without the okay of the Savior. And I want to tell you, he cannot take your life. He cannot put sickness on you. He cannot kill you. Come on. Hallelujah. Without the okay of my Savior, he can do nothing. His hands is tied Jesus has the keys to death and to hell and satanic forces have no right in our presence because you and I now carry the keys around. Because these keys have been passed on down to the church. Check out the scripture yourself. They've been passed down to the church. Come on. And we have authority over the gates of hell. They shall not prevail. Come on. Against Everybody said, us, the church, come on. We've got victory this morning. And why should we sit around just sitting there like we, uh, there's nothing we can do about this. Oh, yes, we can. We can worship the Lord. When the word of God is going forth, we can worship the Lord. And hell's going to have an earthquake. I'm, a, I'm telling you, they're going to have an earthquake when the church starts worshiping and praising God. Hallelujah. 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 The church has promised safety. 
she shall stand and shall not fall, though the gates of hell are against her. Satan cannot win against the church. He has no right. He don't have the keys anymore. Come on. Hallelujah. Have you considered the power unleashed by a worshiping church? When we worship, we batter the gates of hell to the place. Come on, let me, let me, can I bring it to reality? We batter the gates of hell. Oh, to the place that it loosens every bolt and nut that holds the gates together. We cause an earthquake in hell. It is there. Hallelujah. Every time that we need to take hold. Come on. Hallelujah. We need to take hold of worship. Amen. And every time we do, there is going to be an earthquake in hell. Every time we worship and praise him, come on, there is going to be an earthquake. Ha, that's why it's important, church, for us to worship. That's why it's important for us to praise. If you'll remember the story, and I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but just to touch on it. You men, several years ago when we went to men's conference, Brother Rex Johnson preached, amen, and he made this statement. He said, when we as the church are right, come on, when we are baptized, when we have repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, and then filling of the Holy Ghost, he said, we as a church, when we become right, when we become the worshipers that we should, we become a stop sign to the devil. Come on. Let me tell you, we become a stop sign to hell because hell don't want nothing to do with the church. It's scared of the church. It began to tremble at the church's worship and praise. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy. We need to stand up and take our authority in Jesus' name. I've come against you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Luke 15, in verse number 10, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I began to thank Brother Terry of all of the people in the last 23 years plus that we have been in three buildings and God, we have seen the presence of God move in such a great way. I began to think what it was like when we saw souls begin to gather at the altar and repent of their sins. I began to think what it was like the night that six people received the Holy Ghost one after another in the first little church without a song ever being sung before we ever started church at church started with people praying at the altar and one after another till six people had received the holy ghost i began to think about what hell was doing then glory oh, oh. Oh, and some of our worship services since then, when we have baptized and seen God do glorious things in our midst, I began to think about what hell was doing then. Oh, that there was an earthquake in hell, church. 
Hallelujah. I began to think about it, and this began to come to my mind as I was praying yesterday. God began to just put little different things in my mind and I began to think of Sister Christmas son when she had cirrhosis of the liver never had drank a day in her life but she had cirrhosis of the liver visiting the doctor amen and he was checking her enzymes every week and she was on medicine yet it was God not getting any better just growing worse but one night on a Tuesday night when we had church on Tuesday night through a prayer line she got in the prayer line and come through that night Amen. The glory of the Lord come down. And, and she went off. And the next morning, uh, it was time to go get her little checkup. And, and when he checked her, he said, something has happened. You're, you, you don't have cirrhosis of the liver. Your, your numbers are all right. I don't know what she said. I was prayed for last night. And Jesus touched me. I began to think, Brother Cox, I wonder what hell was doing when he heard of that miracle. I'm going to tell you, Satan was trembling. All hell was trembling and heaven was rejoicing and the church was rejoicing over a miracle that God had done. No symptoms, all gone. I remember even when we moved to town, son. Sister Christmas was a lady of miracles. Rushed her to the hospital. Wabash, life flighted her to Evansville. I got out here in time, Sister McGee and I, to pray for her before they loaded her. Hey, man, in that helicopter and headed off to Evansville. Brother Terry, I will never forget it. The story was told. When we got down there, she didn't know hardly. She, she was praying, God, don't let me die out here. And she felt like she was at death door and was maybe going to walk through the doors. When Sister McGee and I, because we took off right from here straight to Evansville, and when I walked in at ICU, there was a smile on that lady's face, and she says, Brother McGee, God's done it again. She said, I feel, I don't feel sick. I don't feel. And the doctor told her, he said, you should not even be here. With the numbers and everything that was out of sight on you, no normal person could even live. And he said, here you are, here you are living. He said, it's a miracle. Come on, when the doctor admits it's a miracle, I'm going to tell you it's a miracle. And I believe once again, there was an earthquake in hell while the heaven rejoiced and the church rejoiced. Hell was in dismay. And what God had done. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Freddie, it'll be very close to home to you. It came to me, Sister Sheila. January the 2nd, 2008. Diagnosed with cancer. She had the surgery. She had the chemo. She had the radiation. Many of you know some took her to those appointments. 
She lost all of her hair. She was not supposed to get around people. She would come and she would sit on the back. Come on, I'm going to tell you, you can, you can all cause an earthquake in hell. And we have and we can and we can keep on doing it. It's up to us whether we're going to do it or not. The more we worship, come on, as the message is going forth and as the singing's going forth, we'll praise God. The more we do that, the more earthquakes it causes, the more victories the church receives, and the more demolishing that hell receives. Sister Sheila would come and sit on the back row. Weak. Really didn't feel like being here, but wanted to be. And here we are. 2013, still cancer-free. She's been back to check several times between now and then. But every time, it has been cancer-free. There was times when they questioned it. But when they back, went back, it was not cancer. I'm telling you, church, we can have victory in the church. We can still have miracles, signs and wonders in the church. If we'll worship, if we'll praise him, we can cause our earthquake in hell. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Carl Dion this year, surgery, cancer. Just a week or so ago, he went and had tests, MRIs, MRI, and he's cancer-free. Sister Nadine's husband. He couldn't believe I come for that surgery. What are you doing here? I said, I come here to pray for you before you go in that operating room. Well, okay, let's do it. He's a Catholic, but you know what? God can save Catholics. We've got two sisters in here. Sister Angie, sitting right back there. And Sister Sheila, our sister. They come up in homes on both sides of the family that were Catholic. Generations of Catholic. Went to Catholic schools. Glory. But Brother Mason, in the middle church in Kingsburg, we watched God save their souls Fill them with the Holy Ghost, and we baptize them in Jesus' name. You think hell wasn't having an earthquake? It has been told me that once a Catholic, always a Catholic, you will never change one of them, and that is right. I will never change one of them, but God can. Woo! Come on! I've got a Savior that looks beyond the fault and he sees the need he looks beyond the boundaries of man and he does the impossible oh, Jesus oh. Oh, hallelujah 
Praise God. Hallelujah. This year, Sister Irene, she done told us she's dying. I'm on my way out. I'm gone. The nurses and everybody thought she was. We thought she was. It looked like it was the end. But all at once, something happened, Brother Mason. Not sure when it happened, but there was a turnaround. <laughs> At 85 years old, there was a turnaround. And the Lord said, I just want to show you, Satan, I don't care how old they are, I can still turn it around on you. And it caused an earthquake in hell, and heaven rejoiced. <laughs> now you can't keep her mouth shut. She's yop, 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 yop. Poor Brother Junior couldn't, didn't, didn't ever talk much anyhow. Now he don't have a chance. He just covers up his head. Can't get a word in edgewise anyway. And if you go out there, don't do good to take a number, you'll be taking the number home with you. So you just listen and you... Come on, I'm telling you, God can do it. Yet we sit on our seats... Like it's never going to happen. There's no need of worship. There's no need of raising our voice. But I want to tell you, every time you do, Brother Zach, there's an earthquake in hell. And it's important to worship. It's, I said it's important to worship. Somebody say it with me. It is important to worship. Causes earthquake in hell. That's why I want to do it. Everett Holland, cancer this year, the bone. Guess what? We've had reports he's getting better. The numbers are changing. That's Sister Don's grandfather down in Tennessee. Didn't give him a long to live. When it gets in the bone, honey, you've had it. But guess what? The Lord said, you know, I wonder what would happen if I just kind of changed some things. And guess what? All those numbers, he was, he, he was anemic. Now he's, his numbers, he's not anemic, I don't think, anymore. Or the numbers went up anyway. I know that. They have went up. His other numbers, the cancer number, has went way down. And it keeps on going down. What do you think hell is doing? They're having an earthquake because God is doing something. Come on, church, come on. We need to get excited. If we're not going to get excited, how are we ever going to get anybody saved? If they don't come through these doors and see some excitement in this, what will make them want to come to our altars? Come on. If you're not excited about what you've got, what makes you think they're going to want what you've got? You know what they're wanting? They're wanting to see something they've never seen before. They're tired of dead, dry churches. They want to walk through the door and feel something, come on, that they have never felt before. Come on. They're wanting to see some worship. They want to see people that's vibrant and excited about who they're serving.
I can't do enough for you and me both. You got to take it on yourself. My worship will not make up for yours. It will not. Lord, hallelujah. I, I don't want to leave this out because if I, if I'd, I don't want to leave out, but you know, God's done five notable miracles, notable miracles I'm talking about. He's done a lot of things, miracles, you know, things that we count as small. And, and if I'd say something about it, people say, ah, yeah. Yeah. But when he takes a burned hand, hand like this, it was almost third-degree burn. When he takes that, come back to here. Burned with grease. And if you have all been burnt, you know that a burn is very painful. The old first church, when I burnt that hand, putting out a fire, carrying a grease, a skillet that was filled full of hot grease, burning a ceiling in a trailer out of Brother Sutton's trailer and when I stepped to the door he was standing in the door and when I had to stop it come back on me got him some on his leg too I'd been mowing lawn at the church and his house is next door and when I seen that fire going to the ceiling and Brother Sutton had kind of lost it it was his trailer it was his home it was Everything that he had, he kind of lost it, didn't know what to do. I grabbed a towel, wrapped it around my hand, a big towel, as heavy as I could. Went in and got that skillet and started for the door. I remember fire dropping down and catching my boot on fire, and I looked down again, and the fire was out. Kept on going for the door. Threw that skillet outside. My hand was burnt. I unwrapped the towel. I put the mower away. Oh, was it hurting? Oh, yes, it was hurting I went in and I put it under water. I went and sat in the car before Sister McGee took me to the hospital. And I said, dear, we are going to pray right now that God removes the pain. And as sure as I'm talking to you this morning, when we prayed, the pain left. And it never did come back. The hand was still swollen. You that were there, remember. I couldn't wear a long sleeve shirt at the end. It becomes swollen so bad that I'd have to wear a short sleeve shirt because it would not go on over it. I worked. I was at work. I was still going to work. Working the power plant. They, 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 put, me, they put me in, uh, in where we just had to do some writing. I'm right-handed. It was my right hand. I'd write. I said, McGee, how are you doing that? I said, aren't you in pain? I am in not any pain at all. Since the day I've done this, when me and my wife prayed, we have not felt pain. So, well, you've just burned all the nerves up. So what's that going on? I said, no, sir, buddy. I felt it at first, but I don't feel it now. I seen my doctor, my own doctor, twice. The second time he unwrapped that and he said, I'm sorry, but I think you're going to have to have skin graft. I'm going to have to send you to a specialist. It's still swollen. It's, I mean, it looks terrible. <laughs> By the time I made it to the, I seen him on Thursday. I had to go to the specialist on Tuesday. By the time I walked into the specialist, that it all went down, that big old blister, 
swollen. It all went down right against my hand and began to wrinkle. The specialist come in. Sister McGee is not here this morning. She can be my witness. As he unwrapped that and took a look at that, and he said, when did you see your doctor? I said, Thursday. He said, you're a fast healer. I said, no, sir, I am not a fast healer, but the God I serve is. He said, do you care if I take pictures? I said, you take all of them you want. Never had, he put his tools away. I could already, I could see, boy, he's going to get them out. He's going to start pulling stuff off. He never bothered me. Guess what? It healed up. My doc, I went back to my own doctor. My nurse that had been my nurse for almost 20 years looked at that, and she took out that room like a streak of lightning, and I heard her. She said, Doc, you got to see this. You've never seen nothing like this before in your life. She said, I have never seen anybody heal this fast. You've seen it the other day. You ought to see it now. I'm talking about a God, come on, that's able to do it, and hell will have an earthquake while the church in heaven rejoices. Doc says, wear gloves when you're out in the sun. I don't wear gloves. Come on. He said, it'll be stiff in the wintertime. It's not stiff. Come on, church. I'm talking about a God that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can even ask or think. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I could go on and on. I could tell you about more miracles. What I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't be set. I shouldn't even be standing before you this morning. Three years old. I should have died. In fact, my eyes had done rolled back in my head. Mom had done give me up, but God hadn't. There was an evangelist that was through, come prayed for me. Two weeks I was out of the hospital. Never no signs or repercussions. Of rheumatic heart and scarlet fever together. Much I could do about it back then. No signs of ever having it. Every doctor that's ever checked me. Glory. Come on, church. Come on. Hallelujah. Think about it, church. While the church is rejoicing over a sinner, a backslider, who made their way to God, all of heaven is rejoicing. What do you think hell's doing? Woo, there's an earthquake taking place. Come on, church. Let's bring an earthquake in hell. Oh, every time we get a chance. I believe we need to celebrate victories a lot more than we're doing it. Even things when things we consider small, we need to make a big issue out of it. Come on. Hallelujah. When somebody comes to our altar, gives their heart back to God, we need to make a big issue of it. Come on, they ought to be shouting. They ought to be running in this place. Come on. Hallelujah. Every time somebody receives the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, it ought to be a big ordeal. I'm not so sure we shouldn't have a, a meal or something in its honor. How long has it been since we rejoiced like that over a soul? Yet I can remember when it used to be a normal thing that there was rejoicing in the camp. When somebody got the Holy Ghost, honey, you wouldn't hear nothing because this place went nuts. That's why we're not seeing souls saved because we're not worshiping like we used to. 
It's not the preacher's fault. He can get up here and he can be excited. And I'm going to tell you, I, I don't even have no, have no idea how many hours is invested in this message. And prayer and seeking God for the right thing. You don't even have an idea how many hours our pastor puts in for one message. And he gets up here and he preaches his heart out. And when the evangelist comes along, the evangelist will all worship for him. But the pastor is a familiar voice. We hear the same message. Pastors preached every message, every evangelist has ever come through here is preached. You've heard it in this church just the same as it's been a different voice. But what we've got to realize is that any time the word of God is coming forth over this pulpit, we are worshiping not the man, but the God of the man. It is the word that's going forth that we're worshiping. We're telling how great you are, God. How great is your word. Every time we say amen, it's thank you, Lord, for the word. It's the word that's going forth that shakes hell. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to celebrate our victories and make a big deal of them. Hallelujah. Because to the devil, they're big. Oh, James 2, 19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Church, we need to say his name. Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Let's shout it. Jesus. Hallelujah. You know what? We say that a few more times. There's an earthquake in hell because he don't like the name of Jesus. He wanted to rise above him. But he was cast down to the lower pit. Let me tell you, he's still there this morning. We still have the victory, church. I still can see miracles, signs, and wonders. I still can see my family. I can even see those that's walked out, Brother Terry. I can, I can, I can see them come back. We can have a revival of restoration. Even starting tonight, we could have a revival of restoration, or even this morning. And we can start revival before Brother Mike Wilson ever gets here. And when he gets here, then we can really cause an earthquake in hell. Come on. You don't want to miss this revival. It's hard telling what God's going to do. Come on. This is a guy of multiple talents. He's a minister, a good minister at that. He's a good musician. He's a good singer. He's a songwriter. You think about what God could do. The gates of hell shall not prevail against Sister Sharon. In Jesus' name. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the McBroom family. 
Hallelujah. We can't have victory. Somebody say victory. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Mason, you can come. Sister Mason. Thank you, Lord. I want you to think. I hope you have these in your dreams. Every time you think of those two big keys, that they're not around Satan's neck no more, but God's got them. And he's passed these down to us. Now I am more than a conqueror. I'm now victorious because now I've got the keys. He passed them to me. Come on. You sell yourself short. Well, I don't got any power. That's right. I don't. It's his. But he's passed it down to me, and I can claim it because he is in me. And I know we've mentioned this time after time. I know pastors mentioned it. I know I mentioned it, but I'm going to do it again. Just so we don't forget. If you want to see people come to this altar, you know, if we're not careful when pastor says to stand, we're not careful. There's people already started for the door. That's a sign that it's over. Hey, it's not over. It could have just began. Pastor has said time after time, I would that all of you saints, whenever we stand and whenever we are starting to give an altar call, I would to God that you'd come to the altar and pray. What are you going to pray about we need to start worshiping God. I need to pray for souls to come to this altar. But they're not going to come if they see you walking out the door and you not coming. But when they see us befriend the altar, they might think, well, you know, that's not too bad a place to be because I've watched their lives. I would to God this morning that we'd uh, stand As I turned this mic to Sister Mason, and they began to sing, I would to God that we would make hell have an earthquake. I wish we'd start worshiping, genuine worship and praise unto God and see what God would do this morning for us. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.